Hello, and welcome to another episode of Train Talk. So, in today's episode, we talk to Michael, who is from Australia, um, Walhalla to be exact, about his local railway. Um, he's the ex-president, and yeah, it was a really, really interesting uh, interview just to hear a lot about a foreign railway, a railway neither of us have ever been to. Um, when I say neither of us, I'm talking about James and I. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it was really, really great to talk to them. Um, and again, if you if there's any experience delays in, in in talking and hearing people, you know, overlap a little bit, that is again because you know we're interviewing someone from Scotland in the UK and we're talking to someone in uh, Australia. So yeah, thank you uh, to Michael for coming on the show and yeah, enjoy the interview. It's a really really great interview. Enjoy. Okie doke. Right. Hi, Michael. How are you? You all right? Very well. Thank you. Very well. Thanks, Joe. Good. Right. So we're going to talk about the Walhalla Goldfields Railway now. Is, am I saying that correct? How would you say that? Uh, Walhalla. Yeah. Walhalla. So okay, think of Walhalla, but just without the V, just be, just without the v because we're lazy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. It should, and that we, we should pronounce we should we should pronounce it as Valhalla, but we're just too lazy. So we, it's Valhalla. Right. Okay. Yeah. Ah, oh, silent V, silent W, whatever. Um, and so you are the ex-president of the railway, correct? Um, That's would right. Would you like to tell yeah. us a little bit about what that involved, and and give us a little bit of a background about what the railway is and how it runs? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, the well, Howard Goldfields Railway was started in the early 1990s, uh, 1993, and um, I was actually involved right from the beginning in more of a, I suppose, an administration and uh, marketing side at that time, um, mm-hmm. and looking for funding, etc. And I became uh, the president of the railway in 2008, I think it was, and uh, was there up until a few years years ago. Uh, I actually live in mm-hmm. Walhalla, so. Well, Hallow's a very small town. Um, there's only 20 residents here. Um, so it was a bit unusual wow. to have someone who's actually from the village actually being the president. Um, and I uh-huh. suppose it's it's a tourist route. What the Goldfields Railway is, is it's a, a reconstruction of the last uh, four kilometres of the line um, that used to run from Maui to Walhalla. So originally the line was about 45 kilometres. Um, and it's the last uh, um, uh, four kilometres, the last section up Stringers Creek Gorge that has been restored and is operating as a tourist train. Um, so mm-hmm. work started on rebuilding the line in 1993, um, and it finally arrived in Mulhalla in 2000 and, um, two, 2002, um, and has been operating from Thompson Station to Walhalla, or from Walhalla to Thompson, I uh, should say, um, since 2002. So, um, yeah, it's 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 just railway now, and uh, it tracks about 35,000 passengers annually. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's got quite a it's got quite a history though, doesn't it? Because this is this is just now, as you're saying, in tourist form, but. Back, you know, it was a gold, it was a, a gold mining um, railway, wasn't it? Originally, well, well Hallow, 
Yeah, well, see, in Victoria, um, we the main railway system in Victoria is broad gauge. It's five foot three and a half inches. So it's the um, Irish gauge, right? Uh, was built mm-hmm. in Victoria, and anyone who knows Australia would be would know that there's uh, the railways in Australia. There's an absolute hodgepodge of uh, of um, railway gauges within the country. I don't know three foot six um, mm-hmm. standard gauge um, and uh, broad gauge. Anyway, um, the challenge with broad gauge, of course, is that it's not very good to get into areas that are mountainous. So, the Victorian railways in the in the eighteen nineties were under a lot of pressure by um, the government of the day to actually create developmental lines going into remote areas. And um, mm-hmm. this was one of them. And what they decided to do was they um, they bought a, I suppose, train set as such from Baldwin in, in the United States. Yeah. And uh, it was two foot six inches. And so they actually started um, developing four narrow gauge lines within the state of Victoria. And... Uh, Puffing Billy, which people may be aware of, which is the, um, the railway line that runs in the Dandenong Ranges close to Melbourne, is also a survivor. Um, but mm-hmm. the Walhalla to Maui line was the last one to be built. Now, Walhalla um, is a town today of 20 people, but during the um, 1880s through to 1910, Walhalla was one of the richest towns in Australia. Um, over mm-hmm. 72 tonnes of gold was removed from this valley um, and it had a population of over 3,500 people living here. So there was a great demand for a railway to be built. Um, the community lobbied for um, 30 years and they eventually agreed to build a railway, Walhalla, in 1902, but it took eight years to build and it finally arrived into town in 1910. Unfortunately, um, the first of the big mines started to close in 1911 and by 1914, within four years of the railway arriving into Walhalla, the major trade had disappeared. The major mines had gone because the original idea was the railway was going to obviously service a large town. And it was also going to bring in things like coal for um, uh, um, for running the the different machinery they had at the mine and was going to take the ore out. Mm -hmm. But it basically they spent all this money, they built this train to a town that essentially um, became a ghost town. So in, to give you an idea, in 1909, the census was done here and there was over 2,500 people living here. By 1921, right. so 12 years later, there was left less than 250. So more than 90% of the population had departed the town within 12 years. And so Victorian mm-hmm. Railways had built this railway line to basically nowhere that there was no traffic for. It um, struggled on during the 1920s and the Victorian Railways promoted very hard to develop town the town as a tourist area, which some success. But of course, once you got into the um, 99 and uh, then into the 30s with the Great Depression, there was just no traffic. And in the end, they were yeah. running one train a week to Walhalla, which was just a mixed and it didn't even have a passenger car. If you were a passenger, you would generally just be put in with the guards van with the guard um, because there was really? they, there was like a what they called a sh- that operated into town, which is basically a multi-doored um, bus that would come up into town. But there just wasn't mm-hmm. the traffic during the 1930s. Um, then yeah. in the early 1940s, um, bizarrely, uh, in 1940, there was a major upgrade done to the line. 
um, they strengthened bridges. They did a whole lot of work um, and they actually did this major upgrade. And then we kind of always wondered why that happened as to why they did all these repairs to a railway that essentially had been running for 30 years and had been losing money for 26 of those 30 years. And it basically yeah. turned out that Australia was fearful of imminent invasion by the Japanese. And while Halla had been selected right. as a storehouse for government documents and government papers, because it had all the, the mines were still all here and open, it had a very small population mm -hmm. and it had a railway running to it. So they basically were intending to clear out government um, departments in Canberra and uh, Melbourne and put all those documents and seal them up um, under the mountain in Walhalla. Well, the threat of invasion passed and they closed the line in 1944. Um, it was close to Walhalla. It was truncated a few kilometres down the line. I'm sorry, I don't know the distances in miles. I'm totally a metric person, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, so they truncated the line at, at a town called Erica, which is about 15 kilometres from here. And it went yep. on for another um, 10 years and the entire line was closed in 1954. Um, mm -hmm. But, but uh, then the line was all pulled up by the 1960s. But despite that, it still had a very, very strong memory. It's like one of those things because it went, it went to, to such an unusual place and where it mm -hmm. was in the mountains, people had these very strong memories of um, the railway coming here. So there was a move to try and recreate the railway even in the late 1950s, which failed, unfortunately. Um, as similar to the case in the United Kingdom, um, the railway authorities were not keen about having volunteers and people running railways and they actually tried their hardest to stop them. So that failed. Mm -hmm. In the 1970s, there was another attempt, the Thompson Valley Steam Tramway, and they started running um, the line within the Walhalla Yard but uh, if anyone looks up Walhalla, they'll see that it's hidden in a very, very steep mountain gorge and there's not much space. Yeah. And um, the last section of the railway is quite spectacular, but in, I suppose, the, the last four kilometres of the line, it crosses eight bridges, um, six of which are within wow. the last, uh, six of which are within the last 500 metres. So you literally, they bridged over the creek. <laughs> they, that, that, it was, it was um, very difficult engineering wise to get the line up the gorge. Now the Thompson Valley Stream Tramway started from Walhalla, which was a great idea on one hand, but the problem was in order to get beyond the yard, they had to travel, um, they had to go across six bridges. And of course the six bridges had simply fallen down through decay. Um, so that yeah. failed. That failed in 1983, and for a long time there was people that said, you know, we'd made a fundamental mistake that we'd started from the wrong end. And there was, I suppose, like a lot of heritage railways, there was a bit of internal politics involved. In yeah. And so in the early 90s, the decision was made to start a railway. But what they did was, then rather than starting from Walhalla, they started from an area called Thompson down in the Thompson River, where there is a spectacular bridge across. Um, the Thompson River is a very wild kind of mountain uh, whitewater river and uh, there's a very spectacular bridge over that, which was only saved from being blown up by the army in the 1960s by some um, uh, a group of, uh, of walkers and, and, and hikers who fought against mm -hmm. that. But anyway, it survived. And um, the original concept was to act, and there was funding given originally to develop the, the line as a walking trail and the money was given right, to actually okay. rehabilitate, rehabilitate the bridge as a walking trail. 
this is in the early 1990s. And they started work on that and they said, well, we've got the money. Why don't we put the train back? And the rest of they say is history. Yeah. So that, st- that started in 1980, 1993. And um, sorry, I, I gave the wrong date earlier. The railway arrived back into Walhalla in March 2001. Um, so it was a little bit later. Right, but, okay. uh, um, uh, it, was, it, was, it was meant to arrive in 2010, um, but it was a, little, a few months late. But it took nearly 10 years to build it into Walhalla. The reason being is because the last 500 metres required the construction of six bridges. And in Australian dollars, yeah. um, that construction was about $1.9 million dollars. Um, in cash was put wow. into that, which nice. in in pounds is about um, a million pounds. Um, but that yeah. doesn't count. That doesn't count all the extra kind of money and value that was given by people giving their time for free, businesses giving their course, time for and, and, yeah, volunteering, but also businesses doing things at half price, etc. So the true value of those you pay for them was more like three to four million dollars so you know two million pounds um yeah just mad and so the the railway finally just arrived mad. into walhalla um in 2001 and then all the services so the railway was operating from um thompson to a place called happy creek um and was just doing kind of like um shuttle services to happy creek which was about three and a half kilometers of the four um and when the railway started operations, got through to Walhalla, the operational base was changed from Thompson to Walhalla with all trains originating and ending in Walhalla. And Happy Creek mm-hmm. was effectively abandoned. There's The platform's still there and there's an old station building that they use as a storeroom for a bit of equipment that they might use for track work. Um, but essentially, that area right, has okay. now been abandoned and has been abandoned for since, um, since nearly, well, nearly 20 years. Right. Well, does it does is it now just that the railway only operates between Walhalla, uh, Walhalla and Thompson, or does it go to Erica? Um, no, the, Walha- the, the so the railway actually um, operates the services between Walhalla and Thompson. However, the track alignment is available okay. between Thompson and Erica, which is about another eleven mm-hmm. kilometres. Um, there is currently a rail trail on that, so it's a walking trail. But the railway has the rights to that to that um, to that land, um, so mm-hmm. it is certainly um, plausible, and it's certainly there is a plan to actually extend the railway back towards Erica, which would mean the total railway line would be would be about fourteen kilometres in total. Um, okay, that'd the be cost great. of doing that. It would yeah. be. I mean, it's it it it's from once you leave Erica, you are literally in the bush and, and in the Thompson Gorge. Um, it is quite spectacular. When you join the Thompson Gorge, the railway line clings to a a, a very narrow narrow ledge, and there would be probably a uh, a hundred hundred fifty meter drop to the bottom, um, while you've wow. literally got a drop on one side of the train going down to the gorge beneath you. So it's quite spectacular. Um, this is very. Yeah mountainous territory i mean a lot of people don't think of australia as having mountains um but it was like snowing mm-hmm. here yesterday so um <laughs> pe- yeah. pe- people often don't think of australia as being a mountainous country but in the southeast corner um there's some very impressive mountains and this railway ran through them 
Um, mm-hmm. So it would be a spectacular journey to have it rebuilt. And there is, there is a plan to do that. Um, I suppose the $64,000 question is, is getting the money and uh, it's estimated to do that will probably cost in the vicinity of, you know, probably $20 million to build the railway back yeah. towards Erica, perhaps more. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's impossible to build the railway line back towards Maui anymore because uh, a lot of the track bed has been sold off privately. Um, and there's also a small thing called the, uh, the Mundara Reservoir. So we'd have to um, issue passengers with uh, snorkels and, uh, and scuba equipment because the <laughs> railway line runs under the bottom of the, the reservoir now. So it's impossible to oh, rebuild it all the way back to, to Maui. There's also no market for it. Um, I think a 14-kilometre, you know, one-and-a-half-hour trip on the train would be tolerated by most tourists today. Um, it used to take four-and-a-half to five hours to get from Maui to Walhalla back in the day. It was a very slow yeah journey as they stopped at each station and shunted and did this and that so it wasn't exactly a journey you'd do as an express that's for sure no but especially through that that kind of scenery you wouldn't really want it to be an express journey would you no um, well i suppose they, when they had their when they had their specials and they, they had these back to walhalla trains because of course walhalla had a huge population that literally disappeared overnight so during the 20s and 30s mm-hmm. they would run these back to trains and people would come up here um, and join them. They, they'd have, you know, seven or 800 people on these trains and they'd double head them to get them, you know, to pull them up the hill to get them into, into town. Mm-hmm. They were very popular. They only, they only took about two and a half hours one way because they weren't stopping at each intermediate station and shunting on goods wagons and collecting bits and pieces. They were just yeah. straight through. So that was the express version. But even at the express version, you're talking two and a half to three hours. It wasn't exactly a, a quick trip. Today, you can do the drive no. from Moe to Walhalla in 40 minutes. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, is it is is the railway still um, a single track railway? Yes, it always was a single track. Um, yeah. I mean, two foot six gauge um, had um, so. For instance, in the, the section up the gorge where they're current, currently running, um, it is back to back. So, in gradient wise, um, it is generally about one in thirty. There is a very short section of one in 26, which really, mm-hmm. um, it's only for about 100 metres, but that's really rack, that's rack territory. Um, and it's just a little bit of an, yeah. en- I think it's an engineering mistake from the day, but overall it's, it's one in 30. <laughs> um, the, only flat, the only flat section of the whole line is, is in the yard at Walhalla or the Thompson River Bridge. The rest of it is all on angle, it's all on a gradient, and it is back to back two chain curves the entire way. So there is no actual straight section of the line. It is entirely back. So you, you won't pick up much speed then? No, absolutely not. Um, well, well uh, we, we always, we, we, the railway, um, we got donated a number of, um, of, uh, um, of trolleys from a, a munitions factory in Melbourne when I was president. Must have been about 2012, mm-hmm. and we got about 30 of the damn things. We only wanted like five, but they gave, it was a gift with purchase. You had to take the lot, and we thought we could set up Walhalla Luge and um, actually 
put them on the tracks and see how long you could last before you'd left the track. We, we predict how far you would get before you'd leave, before you'd leave the, the line because, you know, um, going up the hill's hard. Coming down the hill is basically you're on the brakes the entire way um, because yeah. it is very steep and uh, it's keeping control of the train so it doesn't run away is probably the, the hardest mm-hmm. bit, the line going down. They also, when, when it was running by Victorian Railways, they would often have to split the trains at Thompson for the last section up to Walhalla um, just because of the weight okay. of them and yeah. the fear of the trains running away. They had a this section, this final section of line. All the rolling stock mm-hmm. of the line that is running today is what I would describe as a bit of a Heinz 59's variety. It's all kind of like bung together from bits and pieces <laughs> because all the original rolling yeah. stock um, – because of the four narrow gauge lines that existed in Victoria, the, all the rolling stock originally that is original that remains now is at Puffing Billy and mm-hmm. right in Puffing Billy. I mean, obviously there's, there's not the full complement. A lot of the locomotives were scrapped, but they still have a number of the original locomotives and uh, they actually have a very unique um, uh, Walhalla wagon at Puffing Billy, which was only built for Walhalla, which was an explosives van, and it was specifically built for the mining companies. Right. So they would they would house their house the TNT in that um, to bring safely into Walhalla. But that's at Puffing Billy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rolling stock that's for Walhalla is comes from a, a range of sources. Um, there's all diesel fleet, um, and some of it. Uh, one one locomotive comes from the Emu Bay Railway, which is in Tasmania was regaged to two foot six. Um, the Fowler locomotives came from the um, State Electricity Commission, um, which was down oh, in yeah. the Tri Valley from here, and uh, it was regaged to two foot six. Is that the spirit of Yellowin? Sorry, is that? Sorry, was that the locomotive called Spirit of Yellowin? I, I, I checked that earlier. Yes, Spirit, sure spirit of Yellowin is a Fowler locomotive, yep, that uh, came from yeah, the Yellowin okay. Works. And the Yalorn, um, okay. uh, near to us is the um, uh, the Trobe Valley, which was a very big power generating area with big uh, open cut mines. And it used to run on the mm-hmm. interconnecting railway down there where they used to transfer coal from one power station to the other. Um, during the, through good timing, during the early 1990s, that government system mm-hmm. was all being privatised. And um, one of the, one of our members, a fellow called Bill Ferris, who he's sadly passed away, but he was a um, oh. he was a bit of a he was a bit of a rogue in the nineties, and he would get calls from people within the SECV, and they they ring him up and say, "Look, um, Bill, we've got the auditors coming into the yard next week on Thursday, so whatever's here on mm-hmm. Thursday we know about, but up until Thursday we don't know what's in the yard." And the guys used to literally just reverse up with semi-trailers and load things on and it would disappear into the darkness. Yeah. And uh, it was all going to go for scrap at the end of the day. It was all just going to be scrapped and they got in before mm-hmm. the auditors could have a look at it and count it up to, to get a scrap price. So in many ways, a lot of that, uh, that privatisation and that was an opportunity to, for the railway to get a whole pile of rolling stock. So for instance, the... The passenger carriages that are used on the railway line, uh, the frames for them are old coal wagons um, from the Lawn Interconnecting Railway, and then new bodies were mm-hmm. built on top of them. Um, 
and we've got uh, um, the railway down there has uh, um, you know like ballast wagons that came from the interconnecting railway. So it was a really good opportunity to actually good timing to set up the Walhalla Goldfields Railway, and uh, we've got two. They've got two um, uh, DH locomotives, which are ex Queensland Railways. Um, so they were, yeah. they were purchased direct from QR um, and and transported down DH72. to Queensland. Yep. Um, so DH72 and DH37, um, mm-hmm. uh, both of which uh, were in working order with Queensland Railways. They need to be mm-hmm. regaged from three foot six to two foot six. Now, Puffing Billy has two of these locomotives as well. And um, so there is a standard and we know that they work at two foot six. So it's just, again, it comes down to money. Um, I believe the cost of conversion for each of them is about $600,000 to convert them over. And that's been, that funding's being worked on at the moment, I understand. Yeah. No, and and it's difficult for railways like these to, to, to collect this funding. Like, um, I quite often reference our or my local uh, heritage railway, which I do volunteer at whenever there's a virus is stopping me. Um, and they've this had recent, you know, there's been I don't know if you've heard at all that there was a rail disaster recently in Scotland. Yes. yes. Um, due to landslides. Yes. Um, and there was actually uh real landslides at Bonnes and Canal Railway, and they've obviously that that kind of thing, anything like that, it's, it, they can't control, but ends up costing hundreds Correct. of thousands of pounds or um and so but it really just relies on the people that, that use these railways and, and and go to them just for tourism and, and pleasure and that's i guess that's the only way of funding is are, are there any other ways of a railway like yours well essentially no it, it, it all comes down to ticket sales at the end of the day there is the opportunity to get some grants like the railway is working on um the development of a rail motor at the moment so a one-person operation self-propelled rail car um which is basically there mm-hmm. to fill in the quiet times because there are times when the truck the train operates when it has been operating. I mean, similar to the UK, I mean, we're in lockdown here and um, the railway hasn't operated yeah. since March um, as business, uh-huh. most businesses in town haven't operated since March. Um, so th- we're reliant, the trains, the trains are reliant on the ticket sales. Um, there is grants available. So I said that they are doing this rail motor because there are some times when the trains are operating that we might carry half a dozen passengers a day and it's totally inefficient to run a loco hauled train but when you've got a self-propelled rail car it is much more um, efficient and it still pays its way um, as i said the mm-hmm. railway normally carries about thirty-five thousand passengers every year so it has it, unlike a lot of heritage yeah. railways that really struggle from an income stream it, it actually does have a good income stream because of the passengers um, well, Haller overall yep. attracts about 120,000 visitors per annual per annum, which is not bad for a town of 20 wow. people. Um, it's yeah, a very no, no, it's a, it's very popular tourist destination, and uh, but we are entirely reliant on tourists, which of course at the moment there is no tourism going on in Australia wow. at all. It's totally shut down, so it's a, a very quiet time. However, we're hopeful it'll. Mean, I was going to ask about that actually. 
um, it, hopefully there'll be some grants available and there'll be some form of assistance. So the railways just, um, the volunteers are coming up um, a few days on their normal, um, like Tuesdays and Wednesdays, Tuesdays and Fridays, the track crew and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. in a COVID safe way, in much smaller groups, et cetera. Um, yeah. Basically on a care and maintenance basis to keep the line going because the railway here is, is totally surrounded by very thick forest and uh, trees, trees falling on the line and bringing down the cliff face yeah. is, a, is a common occurrence. It's not like an unusual thing. It's one of the reasons why the line to Walhalla no. only survived for 34 years is that not only did it lose its traffic, yeah. it was also a very expensive line to maintain. What makes it great as a tourist attraction is also what makes it really difficult. <laughs> yeah. As, as with many, many, many places. Um, but no, I, I will go back just to the coronavirus right now. I know it's such a common topic everywhere right now, but um, well, first of all, what's it like just in your area and in, in Australia? Because even when we look in the news, it seems to be quite a selfish um self-maintained view of just everything's focusing on the UK and obviously in the UK, but what's it like in, in Australia right now? Um, well, I suppose Australia has um, the huge advantage, a bit like the UK, that we're an island, but we're a big island mm-hmm. um, on the other side of the earth. <laughs> so, I mean, mm-hmm. basically, yeah. um, we were shut off from the rest of the world back in March. Um, all international flights came to a halt. Um, it's very, very difficult to get into Australia um it's it, there are no there are no planes flying um it, the only planes right. that you know it used to be it used to be the case that uh, uh melbourne sydney uh, as an example and since you're talking uh london to probably stockholm you know it's it's an oh it's probably not that far in mm-hmm. terms of it's a, like it's an hour's flight um or an, yeah. hour, an hour and a half flight between Melbourne and Sydney. It was the second biggest city pair in the world. So it had the most flights. There was a flight, there was a mm-hmm. plane taking off to Sydney um, or Melbourne every 15 minutes. Um, very, very busy <laughs> traffic with, um, you know, big wide-bodied aircraft, et cetera. Um, Qantas, for instance, is down to one plane a day. So just right. gives you a comparison. Okay. There's just no one moving around. We have state borders and the state borders are closed as well. So as a Victorian in Southern Australia, um, we can't cross the border into New South Wales. We can't cross the border into um, into Queensland. So it's closed as well. So we're not, so we're, we're not allowed to say travel from Scotland into England. All right. Mm-hmm. And, in Victoria yeah, yeah. itself, Melbourne Melbourne is in lockdown. I mean, we're in regional Victoria, so we're not as locked down as, as Melbourne. But lockdown in Melbourne at the moment, they currently from 8pm through to 5am. You're not allowed mm-hmm. to be on the streets. Um, all right. businesses are shut, etc., because there has been some peaks. Having said that, um, when you hear the figures to how Australia is coped, I mean, we have a population of 25 million people and at the moment, I think the death toll in Australia from COVID is about 250 people. That's amazing. So like New Zealand, I mean, like New Zealand, we have one of the lowest rates of transmission um, in the world and that's... and. Uh, um, and cases like in the state of Victoria at the moment that is in lockdown, um, we mm-hmm. have about 7,000 active cases. Now, okay. when you compare to somewhere 
And that's in total, like our daily cases yeah. are going down. We got to a peak of about 700 cases a day. It's now down to about 200 a day and falling um, with this la- with this second wave that we experienced. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, when you compare to a place like the United States, it's doing 50,000 cases a day, <laughs> new cases, yeah. you know, like it, it, there is no comparison. And um, that that is in large part due to, we have a society that is very, um, I suppose, um, community-minded, and when mm-hmm. regulations come in play, we we stick to them and we do it. So we don't travel around, we don't do this, we don't do that. Um, uh, you know, we've got face mask wearing in Victoria at the moment, and I would say that there's probably a ninety-nine point nine percent compliance rate with that. Um, mm-hmm. So that has really helped, but also being at the bottom of the earth and a long way away we're feeling i mean (laughs) we're feeling we are we're currently feeling very grateful the tyranny of distance at this time is it is a really good time to be in australia and new zealand i can tell you yeah well uh, it's quite impressive the way that um and sorry i know we were meant to be talking about your railway um, and that's all right no drums but um it's quite in it's quite interesting and impressive the way that countries such as australia and new zealand have dealt with it because you know you see UK has been going down and down and down, but um, across the last 24 hours or 48 hours, there's been a bit more kind of worrying news coming out. It's about the R number rate, you know, the rate of um, uh, infection, things like that. But you can only hope we've, we've I don't think we, you could, would you say, James, we've had a second wave no, yet? I wouldn't not, say not so. But, um, wave yet, but as you the said, first wave has been pretty... it, so. yeah, it's looking worrying. But... Well, if, well, of course, but, the challenge yeah. that we faced in Australia is that all the advantage or, or um, I suppose, the disadvantage we have is that um, we came into this in, in March. So we came into it at the end of our summer, right? Yeah. So we were, heading yeah, into, was... we were heading into winter. And so the original phase, the original, the original wave that occurred in Australia was not through community transmission within Australia. It was actually through um, incoming, returning Australians, returning visitors. Mm-hmm. So there was a huge wave mm-hmm. in, the 90, in, in, in March of people basically getting home. Right, getting on planes, you know, people mm-hmm. were scarping, people going back to Europe, people coming. Like, I think that there was um, at any given time, there's something like seventy thousand Australians who are overseas. There's huge, it's even more than that, I believe, right. but who actually live overseas. Yeah. But uh, and so there was the call from the Australian government that we are going to have the cut off at a certain date. If you are not back in Australia by that stage, you're on your own. And so there was a huge. Oh, that's lots the of same people as what's been happening now. Yeah, so huge lots of people coming back to Australia. I mean, now you can't get you even if you're an Australian resident or an Australian citizen, you can't get into Australia now without a without a permit, and you have to have a good reason to have uh-huh. a, to get here. Um, otherwise, you're you are either in, living in the UK, that's where you are. You are in the UK, that's you're stuck there. You can't come back. Um, so the original wave of um, transmission that occurred in Australia was due to people getting off cruise ships. It was due to people coming back from um, uh, um, from overseas, and people were put into hotel. They were put into quarantine, and our numbers at that stage were very low. We were talking three thousand mm-hmm. people. It was very very low. However, this second wave has come about through community transmission because we started easing our requirements with not so much with social distancing with what people could do etc 
and unfortunately, that yeah. got away with got away. However, it is it is winter here, so for instance, our normal flu season has almost disappeared. Um, we would normally be having yeah. a flu season, etc. And um, there is there, and of course, a, you've got to look at the country in that. Melbourne and Victoria is at the southern when we get snow here so you know it's it's cold during winter well n- not not mm-hmm. uh, 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 I would say that an Australian an Austra- a Victorian winter is probably like a Scottish summer um <laughs> sorry yeah. guys I had to say that yeah because because no, you know, like it's a, all right it's all right a winter a winter a winter's day here is like 15 degrees so it's not really cold right okay all right it's not. No. It's not really cold, no. and the overnight temperature that we would get um, in in like uh, Melbourne would be perhaps eight. Get really mm-hmm. cold. We got snow here yesterday because we're in the mountains. In the mountains, we do have ski resorts and stuff near us. Um, yeah. So we um, we're heading into winter, and there is no doubt that probably what's happened here has also been because of that um, the the, win- the winter side of it. But again, we went straight yeah, away into lockdown. Yet, if you look at a place like Queensland, which is um, tropical, they haven't had the same result as we've had in Victoria over winter. So, yeah, just put in context for it, like Cairns, which is in far north Queensland, to fly from Melbourne to Cairns is a four and a half hour flight. So it's about the equivalent of London mm-hmm. to Tel Aviv. That's about the distance it's away. Yeah. You've just got to put everything into a scale that is entirely different. The state of Victoria is bigger than United Kingdom, and yet it is the smallest yeah. land state. So, you know, yeah. when, when, when uh, uh, you know, we, we are um, two hours drive from Melbourne, um, and yet we're a town mm. that's 20 people because we're basically remote. So yeah. it's, it's very, it's a very, yeah. very different situation. So hopefully, with the northern hemisphere that coming into out of summer, is that there'll be there won't be a second wave. It'll be really hard to tell, but um, we got our second wave because we're going to winter, and um, our seasons are totally the other way around, and that was a major factor. I know, and that's the worst. <laughs> that's what's worrying though for us is because we're going into winter now, which is when, as you said, like season and things are about um yeah we kind of did it all the wrong way around but yeah so like we, we have hope- much choice in we're hopeful here that we can Sorry, reopen uh, uh we're hopeful here mm-hmm. in probably october things uh, september october things will start to reopen um in victoria they've got the state of emergency is ending i think mid-september um, and that hasn't been extended. Yet. It hasn't been extended because the numbers are coming down daily. But there's plenty of other countries out there that would love to be told that your daily cases these these are people who are just diagnosed. They're not people who are ill. Is less than 200 people. Mm-hmm. There'd be lots of countries out there would like to be that. I mean, like unfortunately, you know, our death toll at the moment is running very high um, by Australian standards, mm-hmm. and we're talking about 10 people a day. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, and, 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 and we think we think that's high. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and of course, and well, that's that's a... 
very similar to the UK of that of that um, uh, of that um, that ten people. Most of them are within nursing ho homes and are the elderly, yeah. which is tragedy. It, which is which is tragic because obviously those people have families and there's lots of people distressed about that. But they've been able to control it pretty much. And I mean, the, the, what's happened in Australia and New Zealand has been very very low figures. But that's primarily because hey, it's a great feeling to live on the other side of the earth. I can tell you. Mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> well i guess that's when we start to like um not you know not not involve ourselves with what what, what would be england because like maybe <laughs> maybe that makes scotland look a well you know there's this i think this is this is a good time for scotland to put the argument anyway. for, good time for uh, scotland to put the argument forward to uh to be an independent country and uh put the borders up i know <laughs> i know well that's something that i'm as much as I would find it extremely interesting to talk about, it's something that I don't think I'll, because I would certainly get, I think there'll be quite a lot of backlash from the listeners on this episode if we started talking about that. Given, uh, well, I, I, given I, that, that probably about 60% of our listeners are from England. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I must I must say that we were very disappointed this year in that we had a, a full um, three-week holiday booked and planned <clears> for <throat> Scotland. Starting in Edinburgh and doing a yeah. num doing a number of the uh, the heritage railways and the Jacobite and a whole range of different things in Scotland, oh, brilliant, um, yeah. which was going to be going through the Highlands. It'd be absolutely brilliant. We we're flying in direct to Edinburgh and leaving from Newcastle. We we're going to be avoiding, you know, going south of England like the plague. Um, and uh, unfortunately, yeah. the unfortunately the plague the real plague got in the way and all our flights were cancelled and yeah. everything ground to a grinding halt and. Uh, um, it's we, we, that trip is on is on hold, and hopefully, some stage in the future, we'll be able to do that. Um, but uh, that's anyway, that's it's how just it goes. all about keeping safe for now, and then we can get back to all the brilliant things that we've missed. Correct. Um, and in, the, in, in the short term, such as making these travels. In short, in the short term, we start building model railways to imagine that we're there anyway. So mm. exactly, exactly. That's what it's about: getting these model railways up. Um, there's been quite a lot of focus on that over lockdown. Certainly. Anyway, back to your railway. Yes. But um, and but still, in a sense, a little bit of COVID nineteen. Yes. You said that obviously you cannot get customers in, um, passengers in to 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 have rides on your trains, and you said that in general, thirty five thousand passengers a year. Correct. Um. Obviously, coronavirus is affecting you that you can't have passengers and then there's no incoming money. But are there any other ways in which you've able to take advantage of this um, opportunity to maybe start working the engines that you maybe wouldn't have been able to do otherwise? Well, yeah, and that's where the that's where the funding is. Look, one good thing I'd say that the um, Australian government has done and the state governments have done and are working on there is going to be a, a lot of, I mean, Australia was in a very fortunate situation in that we'd had had, um, uh, we'd had a record run of, uh, of growth. Uh, Australia had not had a recession since the late 1980s. So over 30 years of growth mm -hmm. it was one of the, it was the yeah. only OECD country in the world to do it. So um, Australia right. is lucky in that it's cashed up has cash in the bank mm -hmm. and so the government is spending uh, is is will be spending a lot of money to pump prime the economy 
and areas like um, mm. grants for doing works on restoration, on um, on potentially extending the railway. We hope we're hopeful mm -hmm. that the railway will be eligible for getting those kind of grants and will come out of this stronger. I mean, I suppose the challenge mm -hmm. um, in terms of passengers is that there is a huge pent up demand when there was when there was um, a small window that the railway it didn't actually operate because the numbers didn't get to that. But um, when there was a small window of about four weeks when the town did partially reopen, um, I would describe the place mm -hmm. as being inundated because um, Melbourne is only less than two hours away and yet there are five and a half million people there who are locked up at the moment who are desperate to get out and so yeah we're pretty confident the market domestically will come back very very quickly so i would suggest to you that the railway um in 2021 if it's able to run to its full capacity and that's probably the biggest limitation is the reason why the train didn't start mm -hmm. operating it was there was a limit of only 20 people per train and it's not economic to run at yeah. 20 people, but at 50 people, it would be. And they'd started to plan for 50 and they were already pre-booked. Every every train they had on the system was pre-booked at 50 people. Done. Because there is a big yeah. demand. It's more a case of the restrictions of COVID restrictions being eased enough to enable us to operate. Um, one yeah. really important factor is that um, why we'd love to have you Scots and people from um, uh, anywhere in Europe and UK and the United States come here for a while. The reality is the Australian borders will probably be closed. Well, certainly, certainly they're closed until the 31st, 30th of June next year. So yeah, there will be right. no, there's no tourist traffic to Australia internationally um, until middle of next year. And I would suggest strongly to you okay. that, international travellers will not be able to get to Australia and New Zealand until probably 2022, 2023. Wow. Now, that's a huge, wow. that's a well, huge blow to our industry because there is, um, uh, um, you know, that's billions of dollars of income is lost to the country because of that. Yeah. However, however, there's a flip side to us, to that. It also means that Australians can't leave as well. And, from mm -hmm. Victoria and Australia, people would know around the world are great travellers. We, we we have no hesitation of getting on a plane <laughs> and flying 24 hours. We do it. That's just it's part no. of life. And so you would know, being in mm -hmm. Scotland, you would know many Australians that are there and many New Zealanders because we get on a plane and we travel a lot. So to keep Quite in mind... family. Yeah. So to keep in mind that a, a Victoria, the state of Victoria alone has a $68 billion outbound tourism market. That's $68 billion mm -hmm. that is normally spent on people traveling elsewhere. They're not allowed to do it and they won't be allowed to do it. So that money no. has to be spent internally. The state of New South Wales has an $85 billion outbound market that can't happen. So domestically, the money will be spent within Australia. So I would suggest to you that the railway, once it has the ability to operate, will be full with Australians because Australians can only travel yeah. within Australia. 
Um, it will take time mm -hmm. for us to redevelop those international markets, um, which will happen, but it's going to be a long, slow road for that to happen, unless, of course, there's a vaccine. But, of course, uh, I think everyone needs to be realistic that a vaccine is still some way away, despite uh, yeah. the protestations of various different presidents and prime ministers around the world who would want it to happen earlier, but yes, the reality is yeah. it's probably not. How how often do the trains yep. actually like run if they were running like um usually as usual? Um, well, the Walhalla Golfers Railway is the second busiest tourism heritage railway in Victoria after Puffing Billy. So um, normally um, it's operating Saturday, Sundays, and Wednesdays daily over the okay. school holidays, which is basically from Boxing Day through to. Uh, through January, daily during the mm -hmm. um, uh, autumn school holidays, which is generally around Easter time, so either March or April, and um, uh, daily during the September school holidays. Oh, yeah. and every So they are running um, the majority of the year, which is an amazing effort for a railway that is, apart from one employee who is their office manager and does the paperwork, the rest mm -hmm. of it is entirely done by volunteers. Now, one of the reasons why yeah. the rail motor is being developed is because it's a one-person operation, and that means that there would be a new person employed who would probably be a general manager, and they would do the, the rail motor would operate on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, making the Walhalla Golf Force Railway a seven-day-a-week operation. And in winter, um, the train there are two trains a day, two return services a day. In all other times of year, from the three months of winter, um, there's three trains a day. So quite a busy schedule, considering what it is. Yeah. Mm. And well, finally, because you know your railway, as you said, is. So sorry, uh, I was going to say an interesting, an interesting little tidbit about passenger numbers. The railway in the first year of it opening into Walhalla, so that was in 2001, the railway carried more passengers in that first year than it had done for its entire 34 years of operation when it started in 1910. What year was that, sorry, you said? So in 2001, when, it's, when it reopened, when the, line, when the line actually got right, through okay. to Walhalla, in its first year of operation, more passengers were carried on that service in, as a tourist train, than wow. in the, than, than the original thirty four years of operation. <laughs> so it just gives that you an idea. Of the, just gives you an idea of scale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Paul, obviously, you were saying that you, you know, on on a successful day, you would run with uh, fifty people. Oh, sorry, no. That's if you were to restart, you would hopefully run with fifty people. Correct. Yes. Um, how how many? Carriages or, or what? What would you call them? Yeah, carriages. carriages. How many yeah. carriages is that involved? Well, that's four carriages. Running. That's four carriages, and that's allowing for so, that's allowing for the social distancing rules. Um, on a on a normal right. service, on a normal service, you'd have one hundred and forty four people. So it's about a third oh, of its normal. Wow. It, it's it's running at about a, a third of its normal capacity at fifty people. Now that's that's because of COVID restrictions. Now. Hopefully, as restrictions yeah. ease, we'll go, we'll go like originally it was 20 people could be in a space together. Then it went, it was going to go to 50. That mm -hmm. didn't happen. That was wound back because of this, this second wave. But once we get mm -hmm. for them to, to run, then we'll go to 100, 75, 100, and hopefully they'll be back to full capacity. And um, now 
they've, they've digitized um, all of their reservation systems. So it used to be just a case of to get on a train, you just walked up and bought a ticket, but now it's all being pre-sold online. Um, and they were selling right. every fifth, they were selling those 50 tickets pre-sold before um, the trains even ran. So that shows you there's the market. Um, it's just a case of now we need to have the restrictions and the ability to get the people onto the trains to, to... I mean, the, the Walhalla Golfers Railway is a good yeah. little unit. It, it, it actually makes money. It, it's a good little unit. Um, but yeah. obviously, if it wasn't for COVID, it would have been doing swimmingly well, as a lot of other places would have been, I dare say. Yes, yeah. But, I mean, I don't imagine it's a particularly... And I say this, I don't say this lightly. I mean, it, it can't be a particularly extremely expensive run, you know, way to run the railway because it, if you're working one engine on four kilometers of line, how much fuel would you say? That that can't be a lot of fuel being burnt and, and given that you're not having to pay any staff except, on, well, as you said, one one man. Um, oh, the, it can't the, be expensive the running costs. Is- the railway is efficient. It, it's highly efficient. Like most other railways, when you are, go and ask them how many people does it take you to operate, and they go, "Oh, we need to have this person. We need to have like these amount of people for the um, the signalling. This person for this. This person for that." And you know, mm-hmm. even small railways might require ten, fifteen people to operate. Well, the Walhalla Golf Railway can operate with three people. Wow. Who that? What would so, that be then? A dr- driver, a guard, driver, driver, fireman, and guard. All right. right, and yeah. the reason why the and the guard is often a traveling sale is often a traveling station master. So they'll mm-hmm. sell the tickets. So in 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 quieter days, they will be the station master. They will sell the tickets in the station. They will then, as the train's about to leave, they'll lock up the station. They'll get on board, right, and yeah. they'll then be guard. All right, yeah. so it's very efficient. What where the costs are for the railway is that. Is that obviously this would all be wonderful? It was all rolling, all modern rolling stock. But even mm-hmm. things like the Fowler, the Spirit of Your Lawn, it was built. I think it's nineteen fifty four or fifty six. Um, mm-hmm. Still, even though it's a diesel, it requires a lot of maintenance. Um, nowhere yeah. near, nowhere near, of course, what you would be paying if you had a steam locomotive. I mean, there's a good reason yeah. why the well, Hallegolfers Railway has an entire diesel fleet. Um, just from uh-huh. an operational point of view, but also from an efficiency and, and cost point of view. Um, so, yes, the operating costs of the physical railway aren't high, but there is a few things that are expensive. Six bridges, mm-hmm. all made of timber. Yes, of course. Timber it's the bridges, right? Yeah. It's the maintenance of that kind of equipment. We have timber sleepers that, for instance, are in a gorge that, for instance, in July... And, and, Look, look, you're going to laugh when I tell you our rainfall figures because you're Scottish and you'll go, that's not really rain. Um, but, for instance, in July, our rainfall um, was over 240 millimetres of rain. So far in August, we've had over 150 millimetres of rain. So in a year in mm-hmm. Walhalla, we get around 1,200 millimetres of rain annually by comparison, right. the Australian average for rainfall is about 300 mils a year. Right. Yeah. So, right. okay. you know, Australia is a very dry continent, but we're in the mountains and we get snow, we get rain. You know, it's a very harsh environment. So 
with the railways been trialling, for instance, things like recycled plastic sleepers and other things to try and it's mm-hmm. it's the maintenance debt that is the cost. It's the cost of uh-huh. of the the maintenance of your track and the maintenance of the bridges and those things that is is the challenge for a railway such as Walhalla because each time someone goes on board the train, not only do we have to put money aside to pay your operating costs like your diesel fuel and your insurances, et cetera, but you need to be putting some into a kitty for um, the maintenance of the bridge that you may have to do once every 10 years, but it's very, very difficult Mm. to get grants for operational expenditure like that. You can get grant for new infrastructure, but they're really reluctant to give out grants for operational expenditure. I don't know what it's like in the Mm -hmm. UK, but in Australia, that's probably the biggest challenge that most tourism and heritage railways face is not the day-to-day costs because you can cover that by ticket costs. It's the big, heavy infrastructure um, costs. And as we know, it's probably very similar in the United Kingdom is that um, um, your um, costs increase through compliance. You know, what you used to be able to do 20 years ago, you can't do today with accreditation and compliance and all these kind of things. The wick keeps on being turned up and as a consequence, the costs keep on going up. And and that's a real, that's, you know, like everyone remember, you know, 30 years ago when you were on a tourism heritage railway, 20 years ago when you were on a tourism heritage railway, you just turned up and you didn't worry about having to have steel cap boots and you didn't worry worry about having (laughs) to have high vis and you didn't worry about all that kind of gear. But now... You, you can't, you know, and uh, yeah, it's it, it's um it's it's a real challenge, and those kind of costs keep on growing, and that's why um, I suppose passenger numbers need to keep improving um, in order to keep the place alive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You said that it's just this exact same with is um with most railways, um, Bonds and Canal railways owned by SRPS, which which run rail tours on the main line, and yes. that money kind of helps with these kind of things. But obviously, you don't have that. So, but then again, your 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 annual passenger numbers are probably better than Bonesque and Canal railways. Correct. Yeah, probably they probably are roughly around. Yeah, a good bit better. Um, so yeah, it's it's just the comparisons and the way that you know different railways run certain things to generate that money. Correct. I mean, right, um, well, Hallery, well, Hallery is unique. Well, Hallery is unique in Victoria or in Australia, actually, in that um, it up until a few years ago, it was the newest railway in Australia, having reopened in two thousand and one. Mm-hmm. Um, there had not been a new railway built in Australia, or in Victoria, I should say, in Australia is not really true, but um, there had not been a new railway built in Victoria since the 1940s, right? Everything had been in decline. And so most of the tourism heritage railways came out of, very similar to the United Kingdom example, branch line closing, group of enthusiasts before it's closed, take it over, or it's still in situ, Mm -hmm. they remake it. Uh, and they, they operate it, whereas the Walhalla line had been totally pulled up and had disappeared and had literally reverted to the bush. Yeah. So um, it was the first example of uh, – it was a, a railway that was built entirely through, through scratch, from scratch. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about that is that, is that unlike so many other railways that have been rebuilt – or sorry, have been um, uh, resurrected and have been operated because they're a closed branch line – 
quite often the rationale yeah. for doing that was because oh there was a love for the branch line or there was a group of enthusiasts who didn't want to see it die etc whereas Walhalla was very much rebuilt on the basis that one it was a, a spectacular railway but there was a huge tourist market for it it was built as a tourism mm -hmm. a tourism attraction hence why it instantly became a success in terms of its numbers and hence why it's the second busiest tourism heritage railway in the state now there's plenty of other lines around the state that are uh, volunteer run that are old branch lines etc but they don't get anywhere near the volume of the passengers because they're being rebuilt to um, to rerun a certain set of locomotives or something like that and you can suppose you can look at the united kingdom example and you can say in the uk there's plenty of heritage lines that struggle because they've been started by a group of enthusiasts where there's some that do quite well because they're in the right location and they're able to get the right number of tourists going on them to keep the wheels turning. Not to say it's easy, but it's a lot easier. You look at something like the York, the North Yorkshire Moors Railway, something yeah. that has a strong tourist market. Um, you look at somewhere uh, like the Linton and Barnstable, which is one of the lines that we've modelled. It's been recreated totally um, from scratch, but one of the advantages it has, it's in North Devon, which is a huge tourist attraction. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. they've, so they've already got that. Whereas, you know, places that might be based in a more industrial setting don't get the numbers that others would normally get. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just all about the the customer pleasure and uh, of sites and things, isn't it? Um well, of course, and the Walhalla Golfers Railway is spectacular. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 uh, its motto is, um, uh, you know, its tagline is, you know, Australia's most spectacular ra railway reborn. And mm -hmm. um, its, its motto is from prosperity to decline to prosperity. No one would have imagined when the line it was going to a, to a town that was hugely prosperous. No one would have imagined within a few years it would all go pear-shaped. Mm -hmm. And then no one, no one, when it closed in 1944, no one would have ever imagined the locomotives, the railway running again and being hugely successful. Yeah. Back in 19, back in 2010, on the centenary of the railway's opening, mm -hmm. we had um, Locomotive 7A visit Walhalla for a week, came from Puffendilly, right. and it was the, it was the locomotive that pulled the last train to Erica in 1954. Wow. Um, and we actually had Jill, Jim um, Ray was the fireman as a 21-year-old in 1954, and he came back, and he was in tears. Right. He was, you know, yeah. he just never could imagine that he would get on this train and it would return to Walhalla. It was just something that people didn't yeah. Now, it happened primarily because... You know, Walhalla, as I said earlier, might be a town of 20 people, but it attracts 120 to 30,000 visitors per annum. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if anyone, just just Google the name Walhalla and have a look, and it's got a wow factor about it. It's a beautiful and people go, wow, look at that. And that's the yeah. reason why Walhalla as a town and as a tourist attraction and as a train is hugely successful. I mean, the reason why... I'm a resident of Walhalla is I own the hotel and that's my business. Right, okay. I run the hotel here. Well, so, um, you know, that's, I, I built this property 22 years ago 
and normally we'll be full all the time <laughs> yeah uh, but not at the moment um but uh you know it's one of those it's one of those things and there's plenty of places in scotland and elsewhere that uh uh you kind of wonder why the hell is this there but they're, they're huge um uh, tourist attractions and of course yeah a big difference in australia compared to the northern hemisphere is that we don't have a season so all the railways from what i can see in the uk and europe generally close over winter. They might do a few yeah. Santa specials um, in December, but they're generally closed. Whereas in Australia, um, winter, as I say, a, a cold winter's day is 15 degrees. So mm-hmm. um, uh, runs all year round because we don't have a seasonal market. We have people here in a normal year. We have people here all year round. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, if that's that's a huge benefit because it means that you can just keep on generating money annually. Um, Correct. And again, I think it I makes think it for. Sorry, Karen. It does make it does make it challenging from an operational point of view because you never get a shut, you never get a stop. Yeah. So you know there are times when we had to do bridge repairs when I was president, and we had to you know obviously um, cease services for a week or two. But um, even so, it was it was minimal the amount of disruption yeah, that we were able to create to the services. It was only a week, and um, it was important to keep the services going because in Australia there is an expectation that everything is open all the time because mm-hmm. there's no real reason. You know, it, it, it might be cold, but it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair enough. That is yeah, and what a brilliant place to be for such a brilliant railway. Um, and it's just a shame that the coronavirus is going on right now, but I'm sure once this is all over, you'll be back up to scratch and back up running again, as will be, Look, your, as no your, da- will be your hotel. Yeah, well, I have no doubt that when um, restrictions are eased, um, Australian tourism will bounce back in a very strong way domestically. Mm-hmm. Internationally, will take longer, but we do have a large domestic market i mean the population in australia is currently standing at about 26 million people yeah um so it's not small it's not big but it's not small but of course there are also 26 million people who are how should i put it i mean we are an advanced first world wealthy economy Mm -hmm. and um as a consequence you know most people have the means to travel domestically and as a consequence that means that you know you you don't have a large cohort of people who are not in a position to travel of that 25 million people there might be 22 million people who can actually be travelers and so i I have no doubt that we'll bounce back it will be different um Mm -hmm. we're not quite sure what kind of when we do have the ability to reopen and yep. how that will happen, it, it will be probably a little bit of a slow start, um, but I have no doubt that the railway will bounce back and probably be better than what it was before, and I would hope that there would be um, grants available to assist them as well. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Really, do really great good luck with that. Um, and it'll be interesting to hear about it and see. I mean, obviously, it's a railway that at some point in, in my life I would love to... Um, to be part of it and, and have a have a run in the railway, it'd be great to great to have a run in that railway. But thank you so much for coming on the show to talk to us about it. 
Um, That's right. No dramas be, at all. If anyone wants to, to know. sorry, I was going to say, if anyone wants to, you, there is uh, on YouTube there is a full video of the centenary back in two thousand and ten, which is available right. online. I dare say, if you just Google, if you just go on YouTube and look up Walhalla Centenary, um, there's a forty-five minute documentary about the railway that's free. Just watch it, and it's quite quite an insight into mm-hmm. what the railway's like and how spectacular it is. Yeah. Yeah, so that, and then also, if there's anyone that knows the railway or is is local to it or or has been to it, it would be interesting to hear back from them as well, and they can contact us or contact you on your Instagram. Which is, would you like to see your Instagram, um, for the listeners? The Instagram is Walhalla Victoria. Um, it's simple as that, and on Facebook, mm-hmm. it's Walhalla Victoria. Um, they're the main ones that we put our, um, our information about Walhalla because Walhalla and the railway all work together. As a small okay. town, um, it's all interlinked because people just don't come here for the train. They come up, they do the railway, then they might do a mine tour and go down underground in one of the original mines, mm-hmm. um, stay overnight, go to the pub, etc. It's that kind of, it's the whole experience that is the Walhalla experience that we really um, promote. And that's why people come here. But the, certainly the Walhalla Gothworth Railway is one of the jewel in the crowns, not just for Walhalla, but for the state of Victoria and for Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for all the information we've had. It's such an interesting experience. And I think it's great to learn about other people's local railways. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Not a problem at all. It's a pleasure. And, see you here sometime in the not too distant future um but exactly. obviously if people just if, if people another good website to look at is visit walhalla.com and right, uh, okay. that has information about it but just google it i mean walhalla there's only there's only five well, there's only four walhallas in the world one's <laughs> in germany and uh and two are in the united states so you've got a 25 percent chance of finding us it's pretty easy uh, sorry and as soon as you look up walhalla railway it comes straight up on Google, it's instant. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's one of those. Um, it's it's well known and uh, has a fascinating history. There's lots of good stuff on things like Wikipedia as well about all its um rolling stock and history, and uh, plenty of videos on YouTube, etc., that people can look at and um, just follow the links and uh, have a virtual run on the trains. And hopefully, <laughs> we'll see people coming from overseas here soon. And I dare say, when the trains actually do start running again, we'll um, be doing live those as well through our facebook page great cool well that's perfect it's been a brilliant interview i'll I'll find i'll find a way to just edit that out just around (laughs) have fun get everything as i say to people it's all it's all in the editing they give away academy awards for editing so i'm sure yeah (laughs) yeah and and that's the thing with it with these podcasts it's it's hard to know whether just to like because obviously there's been a bit of delay and if it sounded like i'm talking over you or something now sorry it's just there's you know you're you're in australia and this is um scotland so there's a little bit of delay i think and um, just as there is with yeah. you watching these well you, you're lucky in many ways we're very i mean this is going to sound completely stupid to say this but we're very lucky that covid's happening in 2020 mm-hmm. because had it been last year we only got mobile phone service in walhalla july last really? year. really Right. So there is no, there is no. So we're we're operating through four G through the mobile phone system at the moment. Uh-huh. 
um, there is no way we would have been able to have this conversation with you a year ago right. because there was no service here. The tower was only built. The tower was only built uh, a few uh, a year ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all of our live videos that we put on Facebook and stuff, which work brilliantly because we're getting really fast internet speeds now, mm-hmm. were, were just something that just would never have happened yeah. because of the the lack of um, uh, connectivity. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, back to, yeah exactly well back to the editing i will try my best just to edit some of that stuff out but the things with podcasts is it that they especially with the podcast interviews everything just seems a little bit more pure when you've got it. it's not meant yeah. to be like a, a television documentary or something it is just meant to be yeah, like a conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. i think um as we've done yeah. with a lot of the other but yeah i'll, I'll edit out the big gaps and i think what we're going to be doing is because james and i are back into education now everything's back and running in the uk which i'm not Full, it's in full flow, and I'm not. I don't know how long that'll be for, and if everything starts to go downhill again. But I think we might start doing like a monthly podcast rather than a weekly podcast. Just for now, I don't know if you'd agree with that, James. It's just because, yeah, just it's it's all quite a lot of. It takes a lot of time, and we don't just have the time to do one weekly. So, I think if we if we release this interview next saturday does that sound all right with you and that'll give me some time just to get it edited um and then i think this could this can we can just release this as an interview rather than a full with the news in it as well because that you know this is going to be a good hour-long interview so that should be all right like that i think um yeah is that all right with you guys yeah yeah Cool by me go do what you will it doesn't worry me (laughs) that's right and (laughs) i mean and then you know, to give you, just as a bizarre, to give you an idea, we are doing, through, our, through the Walhalla Facebook page, we are doing, not quite daily, but every second day we do a virtual walk. Basically, we go out right. walking with our dog, right? Uh-huh. Um, and people watching live on Facebook Live, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, we can only do that because we've got the time at the moment because we're not running a business. And, you know, so when lockdown kind of ended the first round, it was really hard. We just had to end it. And also we didn't have people at home watching. Anyway, mm-hmm. we are getting in between, we're reaching um, between 15 and 20,000 people for each work to walk at the moment. Really? Wow. That's incredible. Which is just, well, which is bizarre. Because we're just walking the dog, right? Like this, yeah, is, not, this is not scripted. It's it. We are just walking the dog, but 180 kilometers away from us, we have five million people who are locked up in their houses. Yeah. So we've so that's who's watching. So the mm. mere fact that they can watch someone because they're not allowed to go out, they're not allowed to walk. They're only allowed to walk in there around the block. They're not allowed to go any distance away. So we've got mm-hmm. a very the Walhalla Facebook page has about 23,000 likers, um, mm-hmm. and the viewership is or well, the reach and the viewership is just getting really bizarre. I mean, I think it's just really weird, but it's only <laughs> because of COVID that's happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that is crazy. No, well, it's getting impressive. very well odd. done, but that is very impressive. Um, but yeah, like well, I said, it's, we're it's, back it's... now and in, in, in kind of full flow with with life now and busyness. So that yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. Things, we're not things down are anymore. slowly but surely going back to normal. And people, this we're doing like with our virtual walks. We're up to we're doing season two because we did season one. We did twenty four and and killed it. Off. We couldn't do it through time. 
and mm-hmm. it's just it's really hard and we've only done it yeah. again because people kept on asking us and say can we do the virtual walks again because we're so bored yeah yeah well it's, it's nice it's, it's, it's such a clever idea it's, it's nice that people are able to kind of virtually join in with their walks and maybe encourage people that when they can get back to walking things like that um oh yeah we We've got people who get on the treadmill and they're, they're, as they're watching the video, because <laughs> it's live and they can ask questions. So um, Russ, is, he, he takes the, the dongle thing and he actually can answer questions as we're going along and talk to people. Uh-huh. And I'm literally in front with the dog on a lead. The dog yeah. gets fan mail. It's ridiculous. Really? Wow. That is crazy. Do you have a YouTube channel for it then it's, as well or something? Um, no, it's only our Facebook. Look, it's only Facebook Live, and it goes on the Facebook page. Look, in some ways, you know, we're really kind of like not really advanced with all this. This this kind of technology stuff has all been foisted on us. Mm-hmm. Because remember, up until up until a year ago, we couldn't use it. I couldn't even use a mobile phone here. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and so things like Instagram and stuff is all entirely new. Like we're on an extremely steep learning curve, and then COVID clicks in, and like, you know like zoom meetings and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. All this stuff is entirely new to us. Yeah. Of but course. like the railway, as an example, the railway up until February, luckily up until February, they had no way to book a, lot, a, a ticket online. Mm-hmm. Now all their tickets are being sold online. Yeah. Yeah. That's how fast it's happened. So yeah. Interesting. An interesting world we live in at the moment. Yes, Exactly. <laughs> Very interesting, and and uh, it's developing quicker than any of us, I don't think, want or or <laughs> or can understand. Everything just seems to be. It's just weird how how everyone's adapted to a new kind of life, and not that they're enjoying it, but it's certainly we've had to. But um, it's just it's it's different, and I, I think one of the challenges we have going forward is to everyone is people can be saying. Oh, when things get back to normal and you go, yeah. actually, you know what? It's not normal if you remember it. It's going to be getting back to something new because it's going to be different. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's real. I mean, the mere fact, the mere fact we're talking now is probably something that we po- possibly wouldn't have ever done had it yeah. not been for COVID. Exactly. We wouldn't, you know, have, we wouldn't have done this. You know, <laughs> this just wouldn't have, this just wouldn't have occurred had it not been. Yeah. So in some ways, it's a good thing, isn't it? You know, like because we've well, yeah, opened up a whole certainly... new range of experiences, um, and people have been really creative. Like, you know, we're sitting at home bored, stupid. What do we do? Oh, look, let's just video live us going out for a walk with the dog and see what happens. And then yeah. we're getting fifteen thousand viewers. I mean, it's stupid. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how anyone could stumble across <laughs> that. Obviously, except <laughs> your followers that just follow your your Facebook, but. Yeah, it just you know, like for instance, it's it snowed here yesterday, which mm. is rare. I mean, it doesn't snow snow that often. Mm-hmm. But for instance, for yesterday, to give you an idea of where we're up to, which just gives you just an, an an idea of how just stupid it gets, just gets. Yeah, I posted one photograph in Facebook, mm-hmm. and. We are up to just loading up. This is on the satellite, which is a bit slow. All right, okay. Um, for, for that one image, um, so we've had 21,000 video views this week, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're now sitting at if this ever loads, what do you think? Um, here we go. Um, that one image is now sitting 
at a reach of 65,000 people with 10,000 engagements and 418 comments, wow. 352 wow. shares. Wow. I mean, it's not a particularly, it's not the best image either. I mean, it's just <laughs> stupid. Now, we would never get, we would never get that response if it wasn't for the COVID situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, that's, that's it. Social media has been we po- crazy going through the roof. It's just one hand, but we've never done this before. You know, like it's just like their last virtual walk, oh, which is I did on my own, which wasn't a particularly good one. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's only up to in terms of view. That's that's only up to four thousand views. Oh well, that's not the best one. Mm-hmm. There's other ones, but like it just it's just stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, like and anyway, it's a. New- it's, we're we're making it up as we're going yep. along, exactly. Because that's all we can do. Exactly. I mean, one of the biggest challenge, one of the biggest challenges we're facing, and it's probably the same in the UK, a little bit, possibly a little bit less. I mean, like our, our model rail railwaying works. Our biggest problem is we just can't get any gear. Of course, yeah. So you know, just simple stuff like you know, you can build the baseboard, but you can't. <laughs> Yeah, because it doesn't exist, yeah. and you've got to wait for it to hopefully. You know, the we're directly under the the flight path to Auckland uh-huh. here, and um, normally we would hear you know a plane going over every hour. Right? Now we, oh my god, there's a plane, one plane, but it's just cargo. That's uh-huh. all it is. The only flights that are flying around at the moment are up, up freight freighters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is that that was the same with us. Anyway, there that you go. was the same with us, but now I think it. Oh, who knows what's I, I I'm so bored of just making up and just thinking and and then um, Well for our for our holiday to Scotland, because I had my itinerary all pretty much planned, what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Um I just in my personal Facebook page I did a virtual Scotland holiday. Oh, yep. So every day I just posted photographs and every day I, I downloaded some photographs from the net of where we were going to and posted them and said, you know, virtual Sco- Scotland holiday day six. Yeah. This is what we've done. Yeah. This is what you would have done. Oh, we, anyway. went, yeah. we went on the train up at, well, we went on the train up at Aviemore and <laughs> then of course we're over on the, uh, the, the, um, the, uh, um, the Jacobite. And then I wanted to go, there's a, there's a little railway. I really wanted to go and visit, um, Oh, the lead lead shields and um, uh-huh. down towards Cum- um, south of Glasgow, yeah. um, um, a little a little kind of like old lead mining yeah. railway. Yeah. It's only tiny. Is it in Fife um, area? All that kind of stuff. Uh, that's south of Glasgow, isn't it? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. that would have been. Um, and it's just a, the, the lead lead hills and something railway. It's called, mm-hmm. and it's just a little, I think, two foot gauge. Railway that used to run between two villages for a lead mine, yeah, something like that, yeah, um, run by volunteers. Now, of course, I, I believe that the um, the the railway at Aviemore that's not operating at the moment. No. I, I looked at their website. I was there earlier this year, so they're closed. Well, James, they're closed James was in Aviemore uh, a couple the, of weeks ago, actually. Yeah, uh, last month I was in Aviemore. Well, I thought they've not got anything running though. I I've only just seen Strathspey. No, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're, 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 they're the Strathspey. Yeah, I'm sure they're, they're not operation. They're not operating. No. Because no. again, we we were getting constant up, updates from our tickets with the um, the Jacobite, which I think is run by West Coast. Is it West Coast yeah. Railways? And they kept on changing the date that they would be starting operations. So you know, we said, "Oh, we're due to start in April," and now it's going to be. 
May. Now it's going to be June. Now, you know, they kept on changing it because it all uh-huh. just came down to what the government regulations allowed them to do at a given day. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah, exactly. It's just everything's still changing and, and no one can know for sure. It's, it's all just contemplating. And um, yeah, it, we really just have to, let, I guess, live in the now and just wait and see what happens. Uh, well, I say to people, what we've got to do. Correct. And, you know, what's happened in Australia, which has been pretty small scale compared to anywhere else in the world, apart from New Zealand, um, mm-hmm. and having our second wave, wave um, potentially doesn't bode well for what potentially could happen for the in the Northern Hemisphere coming into winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Because I think there's, exactly. also the, there's also the element is, is um, in summer – everyone slacks off a bit, you know, going to the beach or going out, you know, in the park and, and you can like, you slacken off a bit. And because mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't transmit as, doesn't seem to transmit as easily mm-hmm. in warmer weather, because you just look at countries in tropical areas that have had very little effect. Mm-hmm. Um, we, it, we slack off in our behavior and then it starts to get colder and into winter and bingo, it's away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think normally in a sorry, carry on. Normally in a sorry, normally in Australia, in any kind of like normal flu season, we would have three to four hundred deaths per annum. Per annum, this year it's like fifteen. It's nothing. <laughs> the normal flu season has just literally disappeared off the off the radar mm. because of social distancing and because of you know people being locked up. Yeah. I know, but I mean, I, I guess that's why we we've slightly been lucky in the sense that, or certainly where we are, you know, Scotland as as you are is quite rural, um, a lot of areas, and yes, myself in particular, I've just been able to. I didn't have to abide by those one walk a day rules because I live in the middle of nowhere and no one else is here, so I'm not yes. going to contact anyone. If I did go out for three, yes. four walks, no one's going to be affected by it, and I'm not going to be affected by it because I don't oh, contact yeah. anyone. Um, yeah. Obviously, I would have Which of course, abided by them if, if there was a need. Well, of course. I mean, look, look, the, the, the breakout that occurred in Melbourne and where it all started from, it started from a number of council flats. Mm-hmm. So high rise, kind of like high rise, high density, um, uh, um, you know, um, council buildings. That's where mm-hmm. the second wave started where people are jammed yeah. in, all sharing the same lift, all sharing the same, um, all in close quarters. I think someone said they're like vertical. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so, and, and so that's the difference, whereas, whereas there has been very, very little transmission in regional mm-hmm. Australia. Yeah. You know, the, the population density is so low. Um, in regional Australia, there's just not the, tra- the ability to be transferred because, you know, where I'm sitting, my, even in a town where we are, my closest neighbour to this building is about 100 mm-hmm. metres away. Yeah. And and I'm in a town. Yeah, exactly. And um, I, I know my, my aunt and uncle and cousins all live in Perth. And oh, yeah. the, mm-hmm. I think from what I remember at the start, it, there wasn't really much going about and schools were closed for a couple of weeks and then they went back. Um, Correct. I don't know what's currently happening now. And of course, 
whether or not. Well, Perth is um, in a good space. Australia's in a good space because the border is closed. Mm-hmm. You can't travel into and out to, of, of Western Australia. Mm-hmm. So they've created like a bubble on their own. Yeah. Um, and of course, Perth is the most remote capital city in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we are closer to Auckland, New Zealand than we are to Perth. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you put it in that context, it is very remote. And, it's, and, and, and that has meant they were able to stave off people coming in and they banned immediately banned cruise ships coming in they immediately banned international flights Mm -hmm. so they locked themselves basically they became fortress western australia and the the um the proof is in the pudding yeah new zealand did the same thing that's why new zealand has such low figures is because they became fortress new zealand yeah you got to remember both melbourne i mean melbourne is five and a half million people sydney is like six and a half million i mean the, the big the big eastern seaboard cities is where the outbreaks are. Mm-hmm. But of course, remember, you know, Australia's population is only 26 million people, mm-hmm. of which 15 million of them live in three cities. Yeah. 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 You know, so, so just, you know, Victoria is the same size as the United Kingdom. Just imagine if five and a half, five and a half million people lived in London mm-hmm. and there was another million spread over the rest of the UK. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. You know, a, a big town, my, we've got a big town down the road. It's classed as a big town and it's, it's a big regional center and it's 25,000 people. Yeah. That's big. Yeah, it's very big. <laughs> yeah. By Australian standards, whereas, you know, by in by UK it was I remember years ago when we when we visited the Linton and Barnstable Railway in Devon, mm-hmm. they kept on they kept on complaining about how remote they were and mm-hmm. how difficult it was for them to get volunteers because Barnstable mm-hmm. only had a population of a hundred thousand people. And we mm-hmm. looked at them and laughed and said, we run a heritage railway and there's 20 of us. Yeah. Right, two zero. That's not 20,000. Do you want me yeah. to name them? I can give you their names. <laughs> you know everyone who lives in Down. Yeah. So in yeah. some ways, you know, um, the Scottish experience is probably closer to what we're having here mm-hmm. um, because you do have that remoteness and you do have those, those small populations. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And it's just, it's just everything. It's just the idea of getting back to normal in in a place like this. It's because everyone's so remote. And then when you go back to normal, it all seems so odd um, and meeting up with people. Well, there's another factor here. And this is, you know, this is where somewhere like Scotland and stuff really need to think about it. Uh, And well, you know, I'm just thinking like the community, we've had plenty of rural communities in Australia has said, we don't want Mm -hmm. people to visit. The last thing they want is they want, mm-hmm. we said, we don't want diseased people from Melbourne coming here because mm-hmm. our little community is safe. So it's a bit like, you know, you guys saying, well, do we really want to have all these Londoners coming here? Do we really want that at the oh, moment? God, no. On, on, one hand, on one hand, we kind of need the tourist dollars. But on the other hand, is, is, as Russell said to me, I'm not catching COVID so I can sell a $3.50 cup of coffee. I'm just not going to do yeah. it. Right, and so mm-hmm. um, I think that's a factor. With a lot of a lot of small towns and a lot of small smaller communities have really started to think about it and think, you know, like in some ways, life in some ways is a bit better when these people aren't around. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And it's just about supporting. Well, it's about choosing what's more important, isn't it? As you've said, what's more important really is it? Correct. Yeah, you know, and it's I, I don't obviously know. the presidents and governments are always going to go for economy and things like that, but or at least maybe not yours. <laughs> maybe that's just ours. Mm. Um, well, I know there's a lot of people who, who, and it possibly is the same in the UK, is that there has been an absolute run on people um, in, wanting to purchase regional properties, so sell off mm-hmm. their city prop and move to the country. Of course, there's plenty of companies who are now thinking, well, why on earth do we have this big office block in the centre of the city when it's going to be empty because everyone's we've actually worked out they can work from home? Yeah. There's plenty of people who used to have an hour and a half one-way commute, so they were spending three hours on the road every day. Yeah, have said, you know what? I'm not going to do that ever again. I'm not going. I'm not. If I go back to work, I'm going to back to work perhaps one or two days a week. But I'm not doing it. I'm never going to go back five days a week spending on on the M1. No, spending all that money just for petrol and commuting when really there's no need. Um, well, and I yeah, think it's... that uh, I think that you know everyone had been talking about telecommuting and stuff for years, and it could never get off the ground. Well, I tell you what, it took what six months. Mm. And it's done exactly. now. Everyone's worked yeah. out, but you know what? I don't really want to do that anymore. And it's it's fundamentally changed, I think, in many ways how people think. And perhaps it's been a good thing. I mean, this is going to sound really horrible. Perhaps it's been a good thing for people to sit down and reevaluate what's actually important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took a global pandemic to do so, but uh, <laughs> hopefully, people are starting to recognise now. Well, you know, um, and I think, yeah. uh, like our government has said, and I know Qantas has said straight up, our, you know, Australian airline has said they would doubt that the border with the United States would open probably for another two years. At least, they said they just don't trust. Yeah. You know, the United States is so out of control in terms of their response oh. going on. Um, the Australian government and the New Zealand government have said straight up that the borders with the United States are just not going to open. They might they'll open yeah. with Canada first, but not with the United States. They just don't want to touch it. Yeah, no one wants to touch the United States. No. No one does. It's just, it's just, it's just perhaps, perhaps, Hawaii, perhaps Hawaii will be all right, but that'd be about it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Oh, God, let's not get started on that. Who knows what's going to be happening to America in the next couple of months, years? Well, well, who knows? Look, again, for I mean, I, I was, I was born, born in Australia. My family's, you know, been in this been on both sides have been Australians since the 1840s um so you know I don't mm-hmm. have any relatives overseas at all I don't have any kind of direct association and one of the lines we always got was you know oh whenever you whenever you went to Europe and stuff people look at you strange strangely oh you know don't you feel so isolated that you're on your own it's like 24 hours on a plane to get here and oh you know we can go to Paris and we're there in an hour and we can do this and it's everything's so close mm. and it's so easy and you know and I said well as a kid growing up 
when we went on a holiday, it was fairly standard for us to drive for four or five hours in the car. I mean, that was just how it was. I mean, everything's just a long mm-hmm. way away and you had, well, you're used to it. So you just got so used to it. And everyone's saying, oh, yeah. I could never do that. I could never live anywhere. Well, now I feel as I'm getting the last laugh. Quite a, mm-hmm. quite a nice place yeah. to be is to be on the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the wrong hemisphere, the southern hemisphere, yeah. and to just be away from some of the, the mad shenanigans that are going on in the United States. Yeah. Even, might I say, in the UK, I mean, I don't think your yeah. Prime Minister has been exactly the, uh, the uh, font of all no. things positive. No. But anyway, there you go. That's getting into political argument. We won't go there. Exactly. Then again, it wasn't yeah. Scotland that voted him in. That was England. No, that, that, that no, was no, that's true. That's true. That's right. That's why I say you Scots, um, you know, you really ought to be uh, yeah, no, looking to be... Nicola's getting our, uh, getting our arguments across for that. But then again, there's still too many people in, in Scotland that, that think it's... Oh, I don't know. That's just not. That's just not. Um, yes. Anyway. Who, well, thank, who yes. knows? Thank you for who coming knows? on. That's, 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 that's all right. It's, no, it's no been no at all. about Australia I, I and should, stuff like that. I, 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 sh- I should divulge that my, uh, my, the reason why I left as president of the railway is because I was elected as a Shire councillor. Right, so okay. uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm at the low, I'm at the local government level. I don't know what it would be in Scotland. It would be your council. well, city councils or whatever. Council. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. So you've got yeah. your Scottish government and then you've got your um, Shire governments, I suppose they are. Well, anyway, I'm one so of not them. like an MP would you more like, no, right. no, no, because no, I'm a, um, a um, so I have no idea what, like an alderman, they call them in the United States. Um, so your city. Okay. Yeah. I'm not the mayor, but I could be, I suppose, if I wanted to be the mayor. <laughs> yeah. Alongside that kind of, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so part of the reason why I left is because I'm now in government, now a politician, in a low level politician. Um, and, and part of my role okay. now is to lobby the federal and state government to get funds for things like grants for the railway. Yeah. That's my, that's my job yeah. now is to advocate to get the dollars for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, well, that's why I, could talk I would, honestly, hours. I could, <laughs> I was about to say I could easily talk about this for hours and hours and hours, but <laughs> I do have to get myself out yes. of my parents some yeah, lunch. You've, you've, got to go and get start, on. you've got to start your day and um, we've got to go and have some dinner because it's now nearly nine o'clock at yes, night. Yes, I know. So. And I'm sorry that it ended up being seven o'clock because I could. Um, I just got every time, time zones are wrong. I just got it completely wrong. I thought you were seven hours ahead rather than nine hours 11, ahead. Eleven, nine or eleven. So I was expecting that whatever. Would... Um, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Joe, we're not doing anything. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. It's like, just because um, it had all been a bit of a... You know, we're not like I said, people say, "Oh, can we make an appointment to do this?" And say, um, "Well, we're not doing anything. <laughs> we're rattling around. In yeah. a big, we're rattling. There's two of us rattling around in a big hotel that would normally have like forty people in it." So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, who knows? You could have been out on one of your virtual walks. So, I'm not so at I've, seven. You know, not at seven o'clock fair. at night. It's pitch black here at the moment. <laughs> Oh, of course. it's a winterish time, yeah. isn't it? Winter, yeah. Yeah, it's well, black. You enjoy um, moving into your beautiful summers, and we'll just get into this god awful <laughs> winter. To be fair, you know, th- this summer's been a brilliant summer for us. We over over lockdown, we've had constant between twenty and thirty degrees. 
you know, yeah, we, like we mid really, twenties. We're really we're really pissed off because we heard it was a really good summer. I mean, we were we were meeting, yeah, we had a great summer. We, 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 we were meeting up with friends um, from south of London. Um, he was brought up in Keswick mm-hmm. in Cumbria, so our last four days of the trip was going to be in Cumbria, and they were showing us photographs because mm-hmm. they still oh, they still right. went, and it was brilliant, uh-huh. really good. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Uh, well, exactly. we this, it's just very unlucky, but you know what? We'll maybe get another brilliant one next, next, and. I don't know, two years' time whenever you're able to come over. Yeah, look, I think um, the realist well, uh, we've got to come because <clears> a number of the hotels we've got credits with. We we um we've we've got to come and use the credits. That's like mm-hmm. they, they don't yeah. expire. Well, I don't think they will, but uh, um, we will we <laughs> no. will uh, Scotland no. is trust us, Scotland is the first trip we book. It's just going to be a I think everyone has to be realistic that Australia and New Zealand are gonna be off the list for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. Well, good luck with that. Honestly, genuinely good luck, and especially with your your business as well. Keep hopefully that all maintains well, and then of course the railway. And get, we'll keep in touch on Instagram. Um, yep. Because obviously, if and when you come over to Scotland and you're in a sort of area, we will always say hello to you if you come around this kind of our area. But yes, for now, keep safe. Yes. Um. Same to you guys. All right. And yeah, same to Russell as well. Yeah, yeah so thank you. And then we'll we'll let you know when this goes up. Um, okay, cool. No worries. Let you know when this goes up on on the on the platforms. Yes. All good. Cool. All right, thank you very much. No drums all cool guys and um have a good day, okay? You too. Thanks, you too. Enjoy right. your evening. All right, see you later. Bye bye. All right, see you later. Bye. <sighs> right. Yeah, that was quick. Dying, dying of starvation. Oh my god. Yes. Uh, I'm gonna go do the same. I need to go get some food. He was so long. That's what one hour four. Oh, he was good. He's nice. Yeah, but that the actual interview yeah. wouldn't have been that long. Every every um, single question I wanted to ask, he like asked them, and I'm like, well, that's the most obscure thing in the world, and you've still answered it. <laughs> Like I was going to ask about the yeah. trees falling over if they fell over in like wine drinks and stuff. He mentioned that. It's going to make harder. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Oh, anyway. Well, that, God, let's go over so I can go get some food. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'll be on Xbox soon, at some point soon. I just need to go get some food. I paid more at London Underground this morning. That was really good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Mm. Um, I like how. Have you? Are you doing any of the things like where you fix the? Fix yeah, the, the mo- monitors and things. Yeah, I haven't done any other things though. I've found one of the posters. I've, oh, fixed, yeah. I've placed a poster. Um, if you try the German one, it's actually really fun. Is it? Yeah. Oh my god! I'll do that one then. Oh my god! I've just seen that. I've what? seen that train that's coming through with the. I was on real time trains and it's like engineers train, and it's just passing Madrid and that is mental. It's got like diggers on it and everything. I'll be with you in a minute. Really? Look at your window. Your oh Freightliner at the back, the green, green sixty six. Yeah. Really? Oh, nice. I was gonna go see it, but I knew that went last longer. But <laughs> if you look at your window, you see it. like massive yellow diggers. Oh cool. All right, I'll check it. I'll check it out. 
Right, well, I'll speak to you. Oh, if you're on Xbox, when do you think it'll be on Xbox later on? Um, after I'm done to you, I'll probably just be on it all day, pretty much. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, I'll get on okay. soon. All right, I'll end this stuff first. Right, see you later. Right. Bye. So, as always, uh, you can check out the Wahala uh, Railway online, as uh, Michael said, or on Facebook or on Instagram. So thank you very much for listening to this another episode uh, of Train Talk. Just a little bit of information would be to say that, um, as you will have realised, this episode came out a good bit later than the previous ones. We're not doing them weekly now, and we're doing them on a roughly monthly basis, maybe a little bit longer as well. So yeah, this episode should be a little bit more lengthy, um, and again, hopefully they're just as good content for you to listen to. So thank you once again, and we'll see you next time. I've been Joe, and this has been Train Talk.